new message series begins today uh, about fueling our life uh, as we serve and love and grow to know God, grow in our faith. Uh, and if we've not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdale, and I occasionally pick on Pastor Caesar about Oklahoma football. He played there uh, four years. He has four orange bowl rings. I have orange juice in my refrigerator. And so what uh, I pick on him is kind of odd that it happens that way. And I asked him today, he played pro pro ball as well if he misses the, the below zero days like one team, two teams are going to be playing today below zero when kickoffs. If he misses that, his answer was no. Uh, and when you're 51, it's much harder too. So I guess he, he's past that age anyway. Uh, fuel, fuel for our life. You know, I, I love the, the car that, uh, that my wife Rhonda drives. It's her car. I drive it on occasion. It's a new, relatively new, because it has in it uh, this, this, uh, this, this, this gauge that tells you exactly how many miles you have left till you're empty. And there's a great deal of comfort in that. Hey, I've got 350 miles. I've got two. Now, by then, gas up, but it tells you exactly how many miles you have. I can say, man, if we're on a long, on a long trip, I can drive all the way to this city two states away or something like that. So it's very convenient as well. Not like the, the van that I drove from Albany, Georgia when I was 20 years old uh, to San Angelo, Texas for Christmas time during the oil embargo. Uh, that happened in the, in the in 19, end of 1973 that was happening. Gas wasn't available very readily. That van uh, got 10 miles per gallon, had a 10-gallon tank. I gassed up everywhere. Uh, for those who don't know, it had green shag carpet and an 8-track player in it as well. So I really date myself and many of you by that statement. Remember spending about four or five hours on the side of the road, freezing weather, and outside of Comanche, Texas, waiting for a station to open so I could get gas. Fuel is very, very important, as you might know. Today we're talking about the fuel. Next few weeks about the fuel in life, singularly about vision. And I'm going to read for you a few verses out of the Bible, the book of Philippians. Uh, you may not know, or you may know, that we began last week with a, what we called a Bible challenge, uh, and we asked you to bring your Bibles. Many of you did. If you didn't, bring them next week. If you don't, we have those here for you, but I want you to think about the Bible a little bit around that Bible challenge. We also have about a GPS study we're doing, we're excited about, uh, which comes out uh, on e in email every, every day uh, except for Sunday. And we have almost 1,600 people who, who have signed up for GPS, who receive that every day, as I do as well. So we're excited about that. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, toward the end of your Bible, just before Colossians, right after Ephesians. Okay, I'll read it for you now. 
Not that, and we're thinking about fuel, thinking about vision, fuel, vision. Not that I've already obtained all of this, I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that before which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I love that. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What a great part of the Bible to begin a new year in. Uh, great words about vision for life, and certainly a, a great sense of where we receive fuel to live that life as God calls us to live that. Around change, growth, building, becoming, preparing, and of course, living. Living around this central theme, and we'll put this up on the screen for you to see. The Christian visionary journey, there's vision, <coughs> is a lifelong experience with God. Emphasize lifelong, emphasize journey, emphasize with God. And it comes from certainly our relationship with God and how it's lived out as it's funded by the Bible, uh, fueled by the Holy Spirit, directed by God in our life and our walk with Christ. It's as simple as that. And I want to show you a picture. It's a picture of all the uh, different airlines who come out of DFW Airport. Uh, when I looked this up, I thought, man, there's a lot of airlines there. Uh, most of you probably have either flown out of airport or dropped somebody off there, picked somebody up. You really love them if you drop them off, pick them up at the airport. But nonetheless, uh, there are the airlines that come out of DFW Airport. We'll be going with a group out of, to Israel here, not too far from now, American Airlines. I think that's who we're going with. Uh, but there we have some of the airlines. If you walk in the airport and you have enough money, you can just pick out an airline. You can choose one. You can say, keep the picture up, would you? I'm going to keep it up there for a while as I talk about it. There. You can choose JetBlue and go to Puerto Rico you can go to Florida, different parts of the world if you take that. You can go to American Airlines, go almost anywhere in the world. You'll find your way there. Hong Kong, you know, make your way to Tokyo. Uh, find your way to the West Coast, the East Coast, almost anywhere American Airlines is going to go. Fly on to England, whatever you want to do. You can fly Korean Air. Guess where they might go? Good answer. You knew the answer to that one without me telling you. Qantas. You want to go on a, on a, on a 29, 28-hour flight to Australia, Qantas is the one to, to pick out. Spirit Airlines, now I'm not sure about Spirit. We flew Spirit one time. Don't, you don't get luggage with Spirit unless you pay for it, by the way. And we, one time we said, one time, now if you work for Spirit, I'm sorry. Uh, but our experience was uh, not to do that again. So we did Spirit. Uh, and you see what I'm, where I'm going. You can choose. You, you, get, you get to choose which one you want to get on. Joshua says in Scripture, choose you this day whom you shall serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So you can choose. You chose to come to church. Uh, you chose to gather and worship. You chose to find your way here today, even though it's kind of a cold morning. And you can choose this year to live for serve, love, know, grow in your faith in God and what that means in your life, the life of your marriage and family, workplace, community and world that you live in. 
It is your choice as it is my choice. We can choose today, just like you can choose which airline you want. I want to go on that one. I want to go there. Uh, you, you can choose. You get to choose. You get to choose the direction of your life. And God has chosen to give you Christ, to give you the Holy Spirit, to give you the Bible, to give you a church family, to give you so many things to help you in that, but you still, as I do, get to choose. As we think about vision, think about fuel, think about the choice you're making today and will make throughout your life and will make for this year and beyond this year. And three questions I want to ask now. Do you have a personal vision for your life? Have you selected that? Here's what I want a life to look like and be like. Here's the direction that I want. I, I know what that is. If I asked you, went around the congregation with a microphone and said, tell me your personal vision, you'd be able to at least somewhere have an idea of what that is. Or would you say, I ain't got a clue. I don't know. I have no idea. Or would you be able to say, oh, well, I want to follow Jesus. That's a good vision. Or I may want to specify it beyond that or have more details about that. But to be able to say, I've got a vision. I've made some choices and I'm going to make some more. Second question, have you given God a voice in that vision? Have you invited God to participate in your choice? To say, okay, God, I want you to help me know what my life should look like, uh, how I should live, where my life should go, the things that I should do and achieve, from details, small decisions to big ones. So, so do you and have you invited God to participate in that? Because God's very invested in that. He wants to be part of those decisions, and God knows everything, so we should want that as well. And thirdly, are you willing to change to live out that vision? Number three is the hard one. It has the word in it. You saw it. Change. And vision always requires change because I must be able to make a decision to line up to the goals and vision that I want for my life. And it's going to call for change and growth in all the levels that happens in my life. So I've got to say, yeah, I'll change this year. I'll do things differently. I'll act differently. I'll, I'll become a different person. I'll, I'll let God work in my life. These are all uh, ways of responding to that third question. Are you willing to change to live out that video? I mean, to live out that vision. Now, as we think about vision uh, and, and, and setting it that way, uh, the corporate world does that a lot, certainly. That's not what today is about. And I've done that some with people in my life. I've, as a pastor of a large church, I've kind of done some uh, work with folks about uh, corporate visions or business decisions or things like that to help them in their life, how it might work, because I've had some experience with that, you know, and, and for many years running a large church. Uh, but this is not what today's about. It's not about successful businesses, though that's important, or planning and building a company, that's important too. Uh, are building a career, a portfolio, uh, these are good things, and, and they're important things, and they're valuable things. Instead, it's about a personal vision around our relationship with God that can fuel some of those things. It can go into our business and workplace and portfolio and life and career and all that. It's part of it, as ethics is, as integrity is, as being honest is. It certainly is part of that in our life, but today I'm thinking specifically about the vision I have in my life as someone who believes that God exists that God loves me and he cares about what I do with my life. So you have that part. That God exists, that God loves me, and he cares about what I do with my life. And he wants to participate in the doing of that back to the original idea of our ability to make choices in our life. 
fueled by God, uh, directed by the, the Bible, uh, filled by the Holy Spirit, God's help and assistance in that. Around, again, Philippians 3, 14. Put that up for you to see, and that's one of the key verses of the text I've already read. I press on toward the goal, think about the goal, to win the prize, there's the word prize, which God has called me heavenward or upward in Christ Jesus. So there are three key words there, uh, and that is the goal that we have, the prize that God makes available to us, and then we have heavenward. We have heavenward directed to everlasting life, seeing Christ face to face one day, a goal that, that, over, that, that, that can really be part of all of life and the fullness of life and the complete nature of life that God gives around the resurrection of Christ and the dead. So keep that in mind if you would. I, uh, uh, some years ago I had a fella who, who took me in a, up in a plane. There was a, it was a two-seater plane. I'm not sure how many have done that. Uh, I'm not scared about something like that very much, but I, I was a little nervous about that two-seater. I mean, when it takes off, you're, it's really small. I mean, the wind moves in every direction. It's a little, a little scary. Uh, but as we got in the plane, he said this to me. He said, you know, you know uh, taking off is optional. Landing is mandatory. <laughs> and I never had it phrased quite that way, but there's a lot of truth in that. You know, it is. I've got, it's going to land. How are we going to land? Where are we going to land? Where are we going with this thing? Hopefully back at the same airport we took off at in that particular trip, and we did, so it's okay. But where are you going to land? You know, as we make a decision about life and every day take off, what's going to happen this week and 2016? This year and next year and beyond that year. And again, you get to choose. God gives you the Holy Spirit, he gives you the Bible, gives you a church family, but you get to choose. And that's a big deal, and sometimes we just don't choose. We just don't. We just let it go, and whatever happens, happens, and we wonder why whatever happened, happened. That's how often we live our lives. It's a mistake to do it that way. Here's some points, some teaching points I want to share with you at this point. For vision to work, it must include promises to our own future. The promises we make to our future really are the choosing of what that future is going to be like. There are many aspects of my life today come from promises I made 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years ago. I see it lived out now. One of the things that I enjoy doing is, 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 is do, I do, do lots and lots of weddings in my life, probably over 1,000. And for years in pre-marriage counseling, one of the things we talk about is that this is about promises you make. It's about a vow. We use the word vow, but it's really a promise you make to someone else, they make to you. The ability to make a keep a promise is what changes and assures your future. If you can't do that, can't make a keep a promise, don't inflict yourself on somebody else because it's not going to go well. It's about promises. It's the core nature of marriage. This is the only illustration at this point, though it's, it's, still, it's still true regardless. Uh, and the ability to make a promise is what assures a future for us. We can't keep promises of course, we can always say, God, forgive me and try again, which is what really New Year's are about. But we have to be able to understand the nature of that as we partner in those promises with the Bible, the church, and the Holy Spirit. And in that discovery, you know, it's true. My life today looks a certain way because those promises that were made in this visionary journey. It's not theoretical. 
It's not even theological. It's real life. It's real relationships. It's real purpose, which Rick Warren uh, coined some years ago, talking about the purpose-driven life. And here I might say the promise-driven life. How critical that it is. You know, I go, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to do the GPS. I'm going to. And to begin to form and shape your life around those promises to God that God fuels with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the Bible that he gives to help us define what those things are, and then those who support us in that journey, which is the church typically, but we have other supports as well. People worry about many things today. They worry about all kinds of perceived dangers that sometimes are real, sometimes are not. But I found that most damage done to most people we do to ourselves. Most damage done to most people we have done to ourselves by not choosing, promising, believing, and trusting God. And to be able to do that is around the term, the high calling, upward call, uh, the heavenward call we have in these words that I've just read. The place where the abundant life grows, where we experience real freedom is around that truth of, God, I'm going to make some promises this year. I'm going to make some promises, God. I am going to choose the, the airline I'm going to get on. I'm going to choose the direction I want my life to go. And I'm going to choose this and this and this and God working all of it as, I, as you help me make that decision, what that might be. And that is as simple as this. This is going to go on the screen for you as well. The things that we say yes to. I use the word simple because it is. But it's also very specific. And specific is key to actually having a vision work out in our life. Without that, nothing ever happens. It's got, it can't be theoretical. It can't even be theological. It's got to be specific. The things I'm going to say yes to. And our culture hates that kind of commitment. Our culture tells us again and again and again, do whatever you want, whenever you want, however long you want. Don't anyone tell you you can't. But don't anyone tell you what to do. But you choose yourself what you want that life to look like, above all, funded by God, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Bible that he gives us, and of course the church that helps us come together around God's will and direction for our life. We must things we must say yes to. And secondly, this is harder, by the way, things we say no to. Our culture also hates no. It hates no. Now, I want to define for you what I think real freedom is. Now, of course, our country is very much about freedom, and I love freedom that I have in my life. That's a wonderful thing, a great gift. Many have died for freedom that we have. But they wouldn't define freedom. like They would say freedom is to be able to do whatever I want. That's freedom. There's no such thing. The very idea of freedom to do what I want is the opposite of freedom. That means I'm embodied to whatever those things are. I become embodied to my appetites, or my desires, or the demands of the world that I live in, or it's simply teaching what life should be. So the reality is, if I think that freedom is to being able to do what I want, I'm absolutely embodied to my own appetites that will take me who knows where instead of the nose that God gives me that helps me to have, you know, you kind of look at, you can look at the foul poles if you want to that we live our life within, that you say for yourself, yes, no. You said them, I don't. You choose them. 
God gives you the ability to do that. What airline are you going to get on? Yes, no. Either foul poles or guardrails, whatever you want to call them. That's where freedom is really experienced. Real freedom to become, to love, to do, to give, to celebrate, to enjoy, to be blessed, to bless. That's what the visionary life of Christ looks like. And we must do that. And again, you get to set them. Walk in the airport, Qantas, I'm going to go to Australia. No, I want to, I want to go to Puerto Rico, I'm going to pick JetBlue. I'm going to go to Washington State or, or, or New England, I'm going to get on American. You know, you can do as well as I can in picking those flights. And so we make the choice. And that is absolute freedom. Anything else, I'll say it again, is bondage. If I have no yeses and nos, and don't make promises to my own life, my own future, as God lives me to do that, then I am not free. I'm anything but free, and my life is going to develop into chaos. And I'll wonder what happened. It is a key component of being able to experience, know, enjoy, appreciate, grab hold of the visionary life, the vision we're talking about today. That's freedom. This is where, God, where we can grow in God in our lives, in our relationships, in our rewards, in the purpose, the meaning, the walking with God, all the miracles, where we go. Now the next verse I wanna look at I think is often, uh, I think, understated today in many churches. I'm going to read that for you, 1 Corinthians 2.9. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. In our own sense of what the future is, it's not just that I want to accomplish this, or I want to achieve that. And I do those things in my life. I mean, I have those things I want to accomplish, those things I want to do, those things I want to achieve. Could be all kinds of things. Run a marathon, I did that last year. You know, I wanted to do that. That's one thing you might, I, I, somebody might say. Or I want to retire at 64. There are many young people who think, that's ah, my date, or I want to retire at 55. You know, I want to retire at 58, or I want to retire tomorrow. People have all kinds of goals they have and what they want, and they'll set that as a goal. They, I want to lose some weight or gain some weight, or I want to uh, get more in shape, or I, I want to read more, I want to watch less TV. There are all kinds of great goals in life that we can select. And those are good positive things to grab hold of in life and a very positive way to live, live one's life. But here we're talking about more of a, a God goal where my, my ambition is to walk with God in my life and to see where God leads me in that journey in the great mystery of faith and, and certainly beyond even this life too. When I take my last breath, where do I take my next breath? You know, when I say my last word, what do I say that next word? Uh, heavenward call is what Paul co coins it. The heavenward call in Christ Jesus. The, the, the everlasting life sense of where my life is going. Uh, the, the idea of life beyond this life to the life to come that I move towards in my life, which is the greatest goal of all. It's a very uh, Christ-centric, Christian-centered sense of faith in life we call, talk about everlasting life. And here's why, what I mean by that with a, with a statement. Most set their sights way too low and so miss the target. They set their sights way too low and so miss the target. 
You know what, you, you've had goals in your life you set maybe years ago you achieved and you thought, oh, that wasn't that big of a deal. You know, that was important to me at the time. I worked really hard to achieve that. I really wanted to have that. You know, I would guess Pastor Caesar is, and he should be proud of Orange Bowl rings, and one was a national championship. How many here uh, played football on a national championship team? Maybe one or two did, no one? No one? Uh, I didn't, certainly, but he did. And that was a, that's a powerful goal. But my guess, it pales to comparison to his marriage to Cynthia, right? Or his great daughters. You're both going to great universities, one Stanford, uh, one to uh, uh, Stephen F. Austin, doing that. You know, or his sense of just being a pastor and getting to pray for you all today. I bet you that was better than just, you know, orange bowl rings, as, as wonderful as they are, even though he has it. Oklahoma helmet in his office. I don't know why he has it in there. He didn't have to. You know, it's kind of all beat up a lot, so it explains a lot for Pastor Caesar, if you know Pastor Caesar with that beat up helmet, you know. Is that okay to, okay to say it? Good, good. Uh, but our goal is a heavenward goal. It, it's a goal of seeing Christ face to face one day. It's a goal of my loved ones that we will celebrate eternity together. It's the goal of walking in this life with that hope that drives the decisions and choices I make every day when I go to church, when I make the right choice, when I make promises to, to my faith, to my God, to my family, to my spouse, to my kids, uh, to people around me, and above all, to my, my own sense of what Christianity is. And to do that, many set their sights way too low as they miss the most important target of all, which is, which is definitely clearly related to our own simple faith in Christ who loves us and the God who says and we know we must believe the God that exists the God who cares what we do with our lives the God that exists the God that loves us and the God that says I care what you do with your life what an upward call what a heavenly call, uh, what a high, high goal to simply target that, the God that is, the God that loves me, the God that cares what I do with my life. In a moment, we're going to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion in, in our service today. In our church, we serve open, uh, we have an open table. It means you're, you're invited to join us. If you're a first-time guest, you're invited to join us. The ushers will direct how that works, and you'll see in a minute how you're able to participate in that. Long time member, you already know about how we connect with communion. But I want you to think of it this way today. That when you come, what a great place to undertake the visionary life. You know, I use the illustration already about going to the airport, picking the airline, and picking the destination. You get to choose that. You get to choose today, I'm going to come to the altar and receive the sacrament. I'm going to choose. I choose. I choose Christ. I choose that God is, he loves me, and he cares about what I do with my life. May that choice create the yeses and the noes and the promises and the vision that undergird what your future will become by God's grace at work in you and me and all of us. Around the confession of sin, God forgive me of that. Thank you for grace so full and free. Pastor Caesar so so great about pointing that out in every prayer he ever prays. Every prayer he prays, he'll say, God's amazing grace. I'm okay with that. The commitment of the godly life. I'm going to commit to that. I want my life to be godly this year. And the journey that, that is with 
with the Lord Jesus Christ, what that means. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the words you've given us. There are many of them. A new year, God, you let you set before us and what that means. And God, giving us the privilege to choose life as you've chosen us. That prayer is in Jesus' name. Amen.